Good morning. Welcome to Dismantling Racism, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism and create a world where racial equity is the norm. I am Dr. Roselle Jenkins, your, your usual host, Dr. TLC, is not here today. I am filling in for her, and I am happy to be here and to be joined by Fabian Nelson. But before we get started, I want to um, take a few moments to for us to center ourselves, as you typically do with um, Dr. Avery. I would like you to just kind of close your eyes and take a few deep breaths in and out. I want you to breathe in and out the knowledge that you are part of a shared humanity and you carry within you the power to heal and to power and the power to be part of the change that you want to see in the world. Take another breath in and out. And just center yourself in divine wisdom and sake in your sacred intelligence and know that you have all that you need inside you to make good choices, to be a part of all of the love that you want to see expressed in the world. Take one last breath in and out. And I hope you are feeling ready to listen with an open mind and an open heart to this conversation and also to be a part of the conversation. If you have questions or comments, feel free to put them in the chat, YouTube chat and Facebook live chat or um, any of the other platforms where you may be listening to the show or watching the show right now. Okay, so let's jump right in. I'm going to introduce you to Fabian, Fabian Nelson, who is running for the Mississippi House of Representatives. If elected, Mr. Nelson will be Mississippi's um, first openly gay lawmaker. He comes from a lineage of social justice advocates, and he, I'm going to let him tell you more about himself because I want him to tell the story about his ancestry and his lineage and how he got to where he is. But he is very, very impressive. He put himself through school at Jackson State and um, is a realtor in Jackson, correct, Fabian? You're that is Jackson, yes, you own your own business. Yes. So why don't you tell us more about who you are and how you got to this point in time where you are running for office and um, wanting to be of service? That is great. And thank you guys so much for having me on the show. I love just, you know, being on shows, being in front of the people and having the conversations that we need to have. Um, as you said, my name is Fabian Nelson. I was born and raised in the Mississippi Delta in a very small town named Yazoo City, Mississippi. And I ended up coming to Jackson, Mississippi when I came to college at the I Love Jackson State University. 
And so I've been in Jackson for almost 20 years now. I was a biology major at Jackson State. And um, like you said, I own a real estate company. I've been a real estate broker for 15 years. So working in the communities to help provide affordable housing to people, doing some financial literacy in our community to help people you know, get the credit in line and learn how to manage your budget so that they can become homeowners. Um, so that's a little bit of, of my background. It's, and that's something I'm passionate about, something I love doing. Now, when it comes to serving others and being of service, this is something I've done my entire life. Um, you know, our parents always ingrained that in us and just seeing how they were always public servants and taking us with them like I do with my children. I'm a father of four, so I'm constantly getting them out there and teaching them the importance of service. Mm -hmm. um, my, gran my grandmother, um, she was uh, the first African-American nurse to integrate the hospitals in Yazoo City, Mississippi during um, integration. Um, my father was one of the first African-American students at um, um, Virginia Commonwealth University. And so my family has a long history of, um, of um, breaking down the barriers. Um, mm -hmm. my, great, my great great grandfather was a treasurer for an African-American bank in Yazoo City because you know, in the 1900s, we had to have our own banks. And so, um, you know, we have always, you know, um, led by example. And so, you know, like I told um, another interviewer, I said, my family has always raised a bar. So I'm trying to keep on raising the bar. So my children will be like, hey, we got to really bring it. But I think that's how we um, influence change by mm -hmm. challenging ourselves and how do we, how do we be better? You know, I, I'm, my parents always taught us, you know, we was, I would tell my dad all the time, I want to be like you when I grow up. He said, no, you can't be like me. You have to be better because I, the struggles and things I had to endure, I'm doing things so that you don't have those same struggles. So I'm giving you a, a you know, a higher playing field so that you can be better than me. So with my four sons, whenever they say, dad, I want to be like you, I say, no, you're going to have to be better than me because the obstacles that I've navigated through and I'm currently navigating through, I'm doing it so that you have more opportunities. And with our community, that's what I'm driven to make things better for people because we have to face it. The level field is not even for everyone. Some people say it is, but no, it is not. So we have to get involved and make things better for people so that opportunities are available for more people. So that's okay. a little of my background. Well, thank, thank you so much for sharing that. And you mentioned the obstacles that you have to face. And you've also, you also mentioned the obstacles that your, your ancestors, your, gran your grandmother, your mother, your father, you mentioned, mentioned those people as well. So tell me in navigating some of this, what do you do to keep yourself grounded? What is one of your spiritual practices that helps you stay connected to the sacred and just helps you keep going forward with all the things that you're trying to do? Okay, very, that's a very good question because what I will tell you is every single morning when I wake up, I'm drained because I internalize a lot of things. There's so many things going on around us. I mm -hmm. internalize it, I absorb it, I go to bed with it on my mind. Mm -hmm. And so every single morning I meditate every morning. Okay. I spend and I spend about 30 to 45 minutes in prayer every morning. And mm -hmm. um, you know, just to get myself grounded. And mm -hmm. after I do that, what I do is I have uh, I have a I'm infamous for posting coffee pictures. 
And so each morning I'll post an inspirational quote with my coffee cup on Facebook, just motivating and pouring into others to tell them to have a good day. But that's what keeps me grounded. It's just having that spiritual connection. Oh, that's that sounds like a great practice, especially if you're waking up feeling drained each morning. You want something that recharges you and helps you get ready to fight the good fight another day. So in talking about the obstacles that you faced, as well as um, some of your ancestors, what did your your parents, your grandparents, did they talk about their struggles to you? And what what lessons did they impart that have helped you say, you know what, we can, the, the fight is um, still winnable, <laughs> you know, I can still keep going and not give up because you're probably fighting some of the same battles and maybe even um, more intense battles than they did in some some regards. You know, that's true. Um, the thing about it is, our parents always reminded us where we came from. Mm -hmm. they, they were very open and transparent with the issues and the struggles that they faced. Mm -hmm. But what they always told us is that this is not gonna be a pity party and you are not going to be able to use these as excuses for you not to do anything. So they taught us that we used our struggles to better ourselves so that you could have a better life. So they let us know that, hey, you know, cause it's important to you know, to know your history and to know the struggles. Because if you don't know the struggles and the history and what our ancestors fought for, you're not gonna respect it. And that's the problem that we have. People don't know the history. So we mm -hmm. have to, and, and you know, in knowing your history is not to have it so you can have, know it to have a, a chip on your shoulder. It's to know it because it's important to know where we came from. So we don't end up back there. And, <laughs> What are you finding in regards to that, in regards to people still looking at their history, knowing what the fight is and knowing what the issues are? I know a lot has happened in Mississippi, um, certainly in this legislative year, but in the past few years, Mississippi has been at the forefront for many things. In fact, the reason that um, that Roe versus Wade was overturned was because of a case that originated in Mississippi. So looking at the constituents where you live, how checked in do you think they are to what's going on and how aware are they are how aware are they of the issues and what do you do to make sure that they they are staying politically active and involved and engaged? You know, that's um that's a great question. And what I will say is, you know, it hurts when mm -hmm. You know, when we see people that are not politically involved and engaged, but what I will say is I understand why people aren't, because people say, well, my vote doesn't count. It's not going to change anything. People have given up hope. We have to get put the hope back in people. Um, we just um, celebrated um, the anniversary of the, um, of the, the death anniversary of, um, of Megger Evers here um, last week. And, um, you know, his widow, um, Mrs. Murley Evers, you know, she was here speaking and she says something and this still burns in my soul. She says, when I look around, I ask myself, why did my husband sacrifice his life and people aren't getting involved? Was his death in vain? Mm -hmm. And so we have to let people know there were so many people that fought for our rights. We owe it to our ancestors to go out there and vote. And once again, as I talk about not knowing the history 
not knowing the struggles. That's why people aren't going out and voting. And what, what people are seeing, you know, in Mississippi, um, it's a Republican majority, the, the House of Representatives, the Senate, the governor, it's very hard for Democrats to get legislation passed. Mm -hmm. And so that's why people are saying, I'm not gonna go vote because it doesn't matter. But what we have to ingrain in people is the only way we are gonna change that is by electing Democrats into office, electing people into office that care. Because as long as we say that, nothing is gonna happen. At the, in Jackson, Mississippi, we have about 120,000 registered voters. And the last mayoral election, there were about 19,000 people that actually went out and voted. Um, in this mm -hmm. last election cycle in Mississippi, Mississippi had the lowest voter turnout in the entire nation. Okay, so we're, we're going to take a pause there because I think we have um, a commercial break coming up. I, I, I got the notification, but I do want to pick up there with what you just said when we start back about the number of people who did not vote and who don't seem to necessarily think that their vote will count. So look forward to continuing the conversation after the break. This is your guest host, Dr. Roselle Jenkins, and you're listening to Dismantling Racism Talk Show. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Okay, I think we're back from the break. Okay, so let's continue the conversation we were we were having before the break where you were talking about, I think you said 19,000 people voted, even though 120,000 
a register, which is about 10% of the vote and uh, of um, the registered voters. And that's, that's a, a really low number. So if that's what is occurring in the last election cycle, what are what are your thoughts about how do you get people to really understand the power of their vote? Voting obviously is a very effective tool in dismantling racism. It's, it's the way that we have changed the country for, for years, but I think people are feeling more disenfranchised. You mentioned that in Mississippi in particular, they and actually in lots of Southern states, there is this um, Republican majority that a lot of people may feel it's, it's useless, it's pointless, what can we really do? And so what would you say to those people who are feeling very discouraged? You know, um, so many people, you know, are, like you said, are discouraged um, and saying that, you know, my vote doesn't matter. What we have to really do is we have to put the issues out there before the people. We have to be vocal about the issues because what we have is so many people have tunnel vision and, and, and short-term memory. Um, you know, prime example with the overturning of Roe v. Wade that was so hot for, uh, I would say a month or two months. Well, now it's not even being talked about. So we need to constantly talk about that, especially right now. We need to be talk about, talking about the overturning of Roe v. Wade because when we really put the issues out there, that's gonna fire up people and make people go out and vote. That's one thing that's gonna happen. Two things is what I will tell you, the one thing a politician is most afraid of is the person that votes for them. So they're registered voters. Mm -hmm. And so when, they, when our elected officials see that people won't change, that will change the dynamics on how these bills are being voted, uh, you know, being voted on. So I think awareness within the community is so important. We need to talk about the important issues that are affecting us legislatively. We also need to let people know the very important roles because a lot of people only feel that the presidential elections are the most important ones, when in actuality, your local elections are the most important ones because those are the people that are gonna advocate for you. That is that's that's really true. And I know that recently um, in Mississippi, particularly in Jackson, and you would be representing um, District 66. I know that there was um, there was legislation passed where now there are lawmakers get to determine who serves in some of the positions that were they used to be elected positions, positions like um, judges and prosecutors. And something like that seems like it would really um, take away the power of the people in that particular city to, for who governs them. And what, what could any one lawmaker, like let's say you get elected, like how does that impact even democratic lawmakers in Jackson? And they, their voting rights have been stripped from them essentially for those for those um, particular positions? Most definitely. And I'll give you a little background on it. This is um, House Bill 1020. And mm -hmm. what House Bill 1020 did is it create what does is it creates a new police force within the capital city district in Jackson. Mm -hmm. It also allows um, the appointment of, um, of judges and prosecutors to prosecute. So people within the it's called a capital improvement district. 
people that commit crimes within this district are under the jurisdiction of these appointed officials and not Hines County officials, which we elected. So as you said, that strips the voting power. It disenfranchises the voters in Hines County and in the city of Jackson by having these appointed officials. Now, mm-hmm. one thing that I will say, and I'm, I'm, I'm 100% transparent, we do have a crime problem in Jackson. Mm-hmm. We do need more police and more support, but this was not the right way to do it. And mm-hmm. another thing that upsets me is the fact that the Hines County delegation, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not a lawmaker, so I wasn't there, but the Hines County delegation has told us that they were not consulted when this was done. Republican lawmakers did this without consulting with our delegation. And that is a huge problem for me. So as an elected official, it's important that we show up and say, hey, this cannot happen. We have to let people know what is going on before the stuff comes down the pipeline and it's getting ready to get signed into law. Once it's getting ready to be signed into law, it's too late. They've already made their minds up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you think what's needed? Obviously, people need to know what the issues are, but how do people get that information? So if something like this is happening, you would need people, I guess, to um, either petition or write their lawmakers or advocate against it before it happens. But this seems like something that people wouldn't really know about. <laughs> like everyday people in the street, how would they know that something like this is happening? If the, if this group of people, they're already not voting, how do they know that these type of things are happening and how they impact their lives? Like what needs to be done locally um, on the grassroots level so that people actually understand that this is happening? You know, it happens through community organizations, coalitions. One thing that I tell people in my platform is it's all about getting the community involved, communicating with the community. So I do a lot of different things on Facebook within my district to let people know what's going on. You know, once I'm elected, I'm going to hold regular meetings to say, hey, this is what we have going on at the Capitol. How do you feel about this? How would you like me to vote on this? Because as a representative, it's not about me voting on what I feel is right. It's about representing the people of District 66. And so we have to be vocal and open because what happens is we have elected officials running for office and out there hitting the ground running, but once they get in office, nothing else until election time. So we have to be open with people with the issues because if we start doing that, people are gonna start to gravitate and wanna be more involved in government, are gonna wanna be more involved you know, in civics because I remember my grandmother, she was so involved in, you know, in the whole political process, she always voted. And so I think we have to have somebody that's gonna encourage people and be open and transparent with what is going on. I, I absolutely agree with that. So talk to me a little bit about some of the other issues in District 66. And you mentioned there's a crime problem. What are some of the other things that you think are really important to the to the constituents there and actually to the people in the state of Mississippi in general, not just in District 66? Okay, so let's see, where do I start? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, um, and you know, we you know, we 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 constantly, you know, talk about racism and systemic racism, mm-hmm. yes. systems that are put in place to keep people from progressing. 
Um, as you know, Mississippi has not um, has not expanded Medicaid. Right. Um, and we're seeing a lot of our hospitals um, closing, cutting services because they don't have the proper funding. Um, just this last legislative session, there was a fight to extend postpartum um, Medicaid benefits. They were, mm -hmm. you know, they were going to they, they extended it during COVID, and they were going to go back and reduce it. And the Republicans fought; they were not going to do it. But what happened? We have a Democrat nominee for governor. Well, not nominee. Let me change, take that back. We have a Democrat running for governor. And he started talking about Medicaid expansion and he started polling very highly. And so mm -hmm. when that happened, they decided to extend postpartum Medicaid mm -hmm. benefits, which is a, it's a good start. But we need to ex accept the federal funding and go on and expand Medicaid all across the board because it hurts our communities when that happens. Um, we talked a little bit about voter suppression. Well, mm -hmm. there is a new there's a new law now. Um, it's um, Senate Bill twenty three fifty eight, and they call it ballot harvesting. But ultimately, what it does is it makes it more difficult for disabled people to vote because if you're disabled and you want to vote by absentee ballot, it it controls who can turn your ballot in for you. So a mm -hmm. lot of the organ a lot of our community organizations that were going around helping people it's gonna be illegal for them to do that now. So that's ultimately disenfranchising people. And there is a lawsuit that has been filed by I think three community organizations to try to get that overturned. Another thing we have happening is they're trying to start purging the voter rolls. And so if you have not voted in a, in a certain number of years, they wanna take you off of the voting roll, which is unfair because once you register, you should remain on that voter roll. Um, because the thing about it, if you own a gun, if you don't shoot that gun in five years, they don't take your right away to own a gun. Absolutely. And I'm I'm actually glad you brought that up because I hadn't even heard of that. And I, I've heard of many laws in many states where they're doing things to suppress um, people's right to vote, but to take people off the rolls because they haven't voted, that I had not, I did not know that that was um, being introduced in Mississippi. And I do hope that people are paying attention to these types of things because this is a further eroding of people's rights and an additional way to oppress people. There, there are so many, but this is yet another way to oppress people and take away their rights. And that's really important. Um, something else that you said, you talked about the Medicaid expansion, and I know we're going to have to go to break soon in, in a minute. You said that when the candidates started polling highly, that that benefit was indeed extended. So it, it seems to indicate that people do want these benefits. The, the masses want these want these benefits, whether they're Republican, Democratic, Whatever they are, they want these benefits. And so people have to know what things are on the table and what's being taken off the table that really impact them. I think that really speaks to just day-to-day -day life and what people need to live. And, and after break, I'm going to blow your mind with something in regards to Medicaid expansion. Okay, well, <laughs> I, I look forward to it. And I know we're at break now, so... Um, I look forward to continuing the conversation when we return. And again, this is your guest host, Dr. Roselle Jenkins, and this is the Dismantling Racism Show. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We're, we're back again. And so you said you were going to blow my mind. So Fabian, please blow my mind. <laughs> All right. So this is what happened. All right. So we Medicaid expansion has been something that is, we've been talking about for, oh my gosh, probably 20 years or more in Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So the group of people got together and said, we're going to do an independent poll because we want to know if this is really an issue for the people. In this independent poll, over 75% of Mississippians, Republican and Democrat, voted to extend Medicaid, expand Medicaid rather. Hmm. So it is wanted, it is needed, but guess what else happened last legislative session? What was that? The, the ballot initiative in Mississippi has been killed. And so we can no longer as citizens put anything on the ballot. So the citizens, what you're saying is the citizens can't even introduce something saying that they want Medicaid expansion and that be made into law because that's no longer an option. Absolutely. And let me tell you how this happened. So in, um, I want to say, I can't think of the exact year, but um, around the way the, the ballot initiative was written is that Mississippi had five congressional districts when the law was written. So in 2000, when the census came around, we reduced by four congressional districts. And Mm -hmm. so since we were only, since we only have four congressional districts, the court has upheld that we cannot have a valid initiative because it, it invalidates the law because the law was not updated. So our legislator did not go in and change the five from four. And so since it was not changed, that invalidated the whole ballot initiative. So until we change that, we cannot have a ballot initiative. So it's a technicality that killed it. That That's what I was struck by, that 
it seems like a ballot can't be introduced just simply on this technicality. So even though, again, another way of disenfranchising people and taking away the power of the people and the power of their voice, this, this um, detail is what's being used to do that. Yes, and it's the thing about it is we have to stop playing the political games when people are being affected. When we play these games, we're hurting our constituents. Mm -hmm. And it just does not make any sense because when a ballot initiative was, you know, created back way back when, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't on the pretense that, you know, they, we wanted it. And mm -hmm. we weren't putting it on there where we said, yeah, we could change it later if we lose a congressional district. So things like that are, you know, what bothers me. Uh, uh, for good reason. <laughs> so <laughs> let's let's shift the conversation just a bit, still on the same topic, but we're talking about the issues that are particular um, to your district. And I also want you to talk about how these how these issues particularly impact the LGBTQIA community and the impact of being an openly gay lawmaker, the first openly gay lawmaker, what that would mean for people in the LGBTQIA community, but you know, for the for the community at large, for everyone, like what is the significance of that? Okay. You know, so, you know, what I will say is we have to have, um, we have too much um, inequality in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. We have to have someone that's for equality for every single person. Mm -hmm. Because what we have, whenever you're attacking a marginalized community, you're going to attack this one community today. Once you get away with that, you're going to start attacking another community. So it's just going to build and build and build. And so that has to stop. You know, with me, I understand the struggles. I understand the issues thoroughly. I understand what we need to do to get past that. And it's great that we have allies. You know, we love allies, but we need a person with lived experiences because a person with lived experience is going to fight more passionately than any single ally possibly can for us. That's the only way that we're going to change things. And like I tell people, it's our community being attacked today. Tomorrow is going to be another community that's being attacked. And I will tell you what a lot of the anti-LGBTQ, I think there were 30, maybe 35, 36 um, bills um, on, the on the table and initiatives. But a lot of these things are used as distractions so that other harmful legislation can get passed. You know, these are emotional things. They use these things to draw people in emotionally so that 1020 can get, pa get passed right by so that we can so that we can suppress voters further so that, you know, we having a we have a water crisis right here in Jackson, Mississippi, mm -hmm. so that things like that are not talked about. It, um, like I, I um, had an event last night and I, I, I gave the quote that your freedom is my freedom. And so until everybody is free, I cannot be free. Until everybody is free, you cannot be free. We have to stop discriminating um, and making discriminatory legislation to any group of people. Every single person deserves equality. And that's why I fight so hard because I'm looking at the state that we're leaving behind for our children, for our grandchildren. 
we know where we are right now, but we don't know where our lineage is going to end up. And you putting this harmful legislation in, in place, you don't know what's going to happen when your grandchildren and great grandchildren come along. So that's why I fight so passionately, you know, for our community and not only the LGBTQ plus community, every single community, because there are other communities that are being impacted. Um, mm -hmm. There are so many other marginalized, um, even with um, with um, with females, with women, inequality in pay. So, you know, there's so many things that we have to get done. Thank, thank you for, for saying that, especially um, emphasizing how if one group is marginalized or discriminated against, that really that's something that spreads. It spreads like wildfire. And I think that's really important for people to know is that when you're fighting for the rights of one group, it doesn't matter what that group is, that that actually positively impacts all of us, that we need to recognize that discrimination and towards anyone hurts all of us. So thank you for emphasizing that because you, when you were talking earlier, you talked about um, some legislation that hurts disabled people. So if you don't care about the rights of someone who is LGBTQIA, you may not even understand like why this legislation for someone who's disabled or a person of color hurts you. But again, when people start discriminating, you know, they, it, it, it again spreads and it targets everyone. It does. It targets every single person. You know, you'll say, okay, we're going to attack this group today and see if we get away with it. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just like children, they're going to do this. And if they get away with it, then tomorrow, okay, we're going to elevate, elevate, elevate. We have to stop it every single place. There's not room in society for it. There's exactly. not any room. Period. And we've, we've really seen that with police brutality as well, that people didn't really pay a lot of attention. They, they didn't pay a lot of attention before George Floyd. And, you know, after that, they paid a lot of at attention to what was happening. But also we see that it does happen with other groups as well. And then that gets more attention because if it can happen to one person, it can happen to you. And that's something that we really all need to take to heart that it could be any of us that these these things these acts of racism and oppression it can happen to any one of us you know we like i said we know where we are today we know where we are right now but we don't know what the future holds and if we're not doing anything to make for a better future it's just gonna it's not gonna get better it's not gonna improve Mm -hmm. And so for you in terms of running, has this, um, have you, have you seen that people are more intolerant towards your candidacy? What type of experiences have you faced? Talk to me a little bit about that. You know, um, what I will say is in running for office and getting out there, meeting the people understanding the people and the people's issues, people have been so receptive. That's and wonderful. the conversation, it went from, um, we want you to win, we really want you to win. Now it's shifted to Fabian, you have to win. <laughs> they say, you are the voice that we need. You are the representation that we need. Because the thing about it is we have to stop 
with all of the personal stuff, getting into people's personal lives, personal business. We have to see, is this person in tune with the issues? Is this person connected with the community? What is this person going to do to move us forward? Because once again, like we talk about distractions, people are so yes. easily to get distracted. We have to get away from that and look at a person's heart. And that's what I've done. I've shown the community my heart and the community is falling in love with my heart. I'm falling in love with the community. Like I say, I'm up at 12, one o'clock in the morning, you know, talking to people in the district. Hey, Fabian, can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? And like I tell people, I didn't, I, I didn't, um, I started in my position when I announced that I was running for office. I'm not starting January 1. I can affect change right now. And that's what I'm going to be doing right now. Um, it's because day one, I have to go to the Capitol ready to serve. It's not going to be time for on the job training. Well, I, I know what you say to be true about people falling in love with you, even though I don't know you and I am, I'm just meeting you for the first time because when I was doing my research about you and reading about the comments, I came across this quote by, um, an older citizen of the community. And I believe they might've said that the woman was in her eighties. I, I could be misquoting that part, but they were asking her, how did she feel about voting for um, an openly gay representative? And I re I remember her response because it tickled me. So and she said, no, no straight representative has come and helped me pick up trash or attend to my flower bed garden. And I just thought, you know, that really spoke to who you are as a person, because what she's really saying is it really is about the person's character and what they do and all of these other things that we try to use as ways to disqualify people. It really is ridiculous and it doesn't matter because what matters is who you are and what you're doing and um, your character. That's, a, that's my friend, Miss Emma. <laughs> Miss Emma, yes. Okay, you're right. Because I, I, of course, you're right. Because you know her. But I remember when you said that, I was like, okay, what was her name? But yes, that quote was by Miss Emma. So we are coming up um, on another break, and we'll we'll continue our conversation after the break. I'm I'm enjoying you so much, Fabian, and I'm going to say I believe that you will win. Not you must win. You know, we want to speak it into existence that you will be the next representative. Thank you. Again, this is um, Dr. Roselle Jenkins, your guest host for Dismantling Racism. We'll be back after the break. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc, Fridays at noon Eastern, and intangify your business today. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Okay, we are back. And I want to talk about some of the things that are going well, because when we talk about Mississippi, I don't know if I said this to you, but I'm actually a native Mississippian. And so I I know a lot about Mississippi. And generally, when people are talking about Mississippi, there's just a lot of negative things that people say. They're they're the last in this, um, last in that. When I went away to college, people would ask me just the oddest questions about Mississippi. They were actually surprised that I could string together two sentences. Um, So there are still quite a few stereotypes that abound about Mississippi. But if people are thinking about some of the changes that have occurred in Mississippi, some things that would make them hopeful about progress, about dismantling racism and some of the systems, are there things that you would point to that you've seen, changes that you've seen that would help people retain hope or be more hopeful? Okay, that's a great question because um, just like you said, when you when I say, you know, hey, I'm in Mississippi or from Mississippi, like if I'm on vacation, they say, oh, do you guys have traffic lights there? You still have dirt roads? I got that question. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I will say is we have the most delicious food here in Mississippi. <laughs> that is true. Uh, um, but as far as things that are changing in Mississippi, one thing I would like to talk about, um, and I know you heard about this, but in 2021, after years and years and years of debate, we finally changed our state flag and removed the Confederate symbol. Mm-hmm. I always brag about <laughs> it, and I and I wear it proudly every single day. Um, And to many people, they may say, oh, it's just a flag and it's no significance in changing that. But no, there is so much Mm -hmm. significance in our flag being changed because of what the old flag represented. And when Mm -hmm. people from outside of Mississippi saw a Confederate emblem on our flag, that gave us a very, very bad name. Mm -hmm. And so that's a positive thing that has happened in Mississippi. Um, One thing I can say is I do see the tide shifting in Mississippi. We have great colleges here in Mississippi and we're working hard to retain some of our talent here in Mississippi. Um, Another great thing about Mississippi with all of the bad stuff, it is a great place to raise a family. We have great people here in Mississippi. Um, I'm a father of four and it's so community oriented um, living here and raising my children. I couldn't imagine a better place to raise my children, you know, than Mississippi. 
even though we got some, we have a lot of work to do with education and economic development and all of those things, it's a work in progress. So I don't want people to always hear Mississippi and think, oh, it's a terrible place because it really is not. It's the press that Mississippi gets. You know, what they say is bad news travels faster than good news. They take the bad things and amplify it and blow it out of the water. And what I will tell you is, Prior to this past, I would say, 10 years, people were numb to the fact that racism still existed in America. Well, what people see is that racism is alive and it's very, you know, it's alive and well. And mm -hmm. so people see now, it's not only in the Southern states, there's other places as well that are, you know, struggling with racism, but it gets amplified in our Southern states and make it seem like things are so bad here, but they're not any worse here than they are anywhere else. And as long as we have systemic racism everywhere, all across the country, it's not going to get any better. And I think people need to understand what it is. Some of the things that we talked about today, especially in terms of people's rights being taken away. You talked about about the ballot initiative, um, as well as the law that was passed in Jackson recently, where people can no longer elect some of their officials. People need to understand that those are racist, oppressive acts because they limit people's right to choose for themselves. And um, it actually gives a small group of people the right to make decisions for the vast majority of peoples and not people that you are entrusting to make those decisions, the people that you elected, but the people that you did not, the people that you don't think have your best interest at heart. So people really need to understand what oppression and what racism looks like and why it's important to exercise your right to vote. But talking about some of the changes in Mississippi, some of the positive changes, you mentioned education and you said, you know, we still have a ways to go. I actually read an article, was good news about Mississippi, which you don't hear that frequently about how the educational system has actually improved. And Mississippi is no longer at the bottom of the list in terms of education. And that is something the, the state has done a good job with is turning things around um, in regards to education. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I do want to touch on that a little on education a little bit if we have time. I think um, we do. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So let me tell you something else that happened. Um, critical race theory has been a hot topic here in Mississippi. Mm -hmm. um, there is there was a law that was passed. I don't. I'm sorry. I can't quote the the, the the law the number of it, but ultimately it was trying to restrict critical race theory, mm -hmm. um, which it didn't. But we're under the it limits things that can be taught so people are under the presumption so teachers are afraid to teach because they say i don't want to take that chance and lose my job and so on so so and so well what happened in mississippi is we had an african-american guy that was chosen to be our new superintendent of education here last year now he was appointed by a committee that was selected by our republican party okay so when it when it came time to confirm him they did not confirm his, the, the Senate did not confirm him as our superintendent of education because they said he was too woke. They were afraid that he was going to push critical race theory. And so this guy was highly qualified to keep moving us in the right direction. But mm -hmm. look at what look at what happened. And so um, the good is the good news you're referring to. I think um, our reading scores um, 
increased mm-hmm. in Mississippi. And so we're mm-hmm. not the last. So yeah, there are good things that we don't really hear much about. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that because I do think that everyone needs to understand, not just the people that are doing the work of dismantling racism, because those people probably do understand the importance of teaching things like like um, critical race theory or even social emotional learning. They understand that these are just things that help make you a good citizen in the world so that you can engage with the information that that is presented before you. Because a part of the problem is that people hear terms like woke and they hear terms like CRT and they're just sound bites and they don't really know what they mean. And so everyone really needs education about that because you can just take a few snippets. And if you're not a person who is reading or thinking critically, you can think that those terms mean something that they don't mean. And and, and, and like the former the former director of um, our uh, our African American Museum here, Mrs. Pamela Jr., the mm-hmm. excerpt about critical race theory, and Ms. Jr. said, "There's no such thing as critical race theory. It's Black history. <laughs> it's our history." Mm-hmm. And so that's what it is. It's our history. And like I said earlier, in order to keep from repeating history, we have to teach it, we have to learn about it, and we have to respect it. Mm-hmm. That is all very important that we that we do those things. And again, that that information has gotten out to everyone so that people really understand what they're being presented and to make informed choices and decisions and not let someone else tell you, oh, this thing is negative, but this thing is impacting you in a way that it, that it really isn't. And, and you talked about distractors earlier. That's a distraction. That's a distraction from the issues that really impact people every day, whether you're um, Black, white, <laughs> um, whether you're Christian, Muslim, um, gay or not, there are real issues that are impacting people and people get distracted with these little terms like woke and all of that. When How is that really um, impacting your life on a day-to-day basis? So true. So we have about two minutes left and I want to give you the opportunity to say anything that that you want to say. If there is um, a message that you want to leave with the people, I want to give you the opportunity to do that now. All right. Thank you. Well, once again, I just want to thank you guys for allowing me to come on the show today. Like I said, the conversation that we had, it's a tough one, but it's a necessary one. These are things that we have to talk about. And when I decided to run for office, I said, I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be open with people. I am not going to shy away from issues. I'm not coming in to be politically correct. It's about giving people the information that they need. It's about having an uncomfortable conversations because in order to grow, you have to be made uncomfortable. That's the only way. And we commonly get comfortable. And so we're just going to push it off and it's going to get better, but that's not the, that's not the case. So I'm so happy to be able to offer myself for public service. I'm happy to be out here fighting for my people, fighting for my community. And I am, it's just, it's just an honor and a blessing to be a part of the community and to get the love, you know, riding down the road and people blowing, Hey baby, and I'm voting for you. And so it's just great really getting our community back involved. And I'm going to end on that note. 
Well, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. And I wish you continued um, success as you continue your candidacy and um, look, look forward to you being the next representative in District 66. And I want everyone to um, stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz that's coming up as he awakens humanity by walking through life with the greatest ease and joy. Want to encourage everyone to be well, be safe, and be encouraged. Until next time, I've been your guest host, Dr. Rizelle Jenkins, and Dr. TLC will be back with you next week. Thank you again, Fabian. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. Goodbye. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.